Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Game by Show podcast for July the 21st, 2016. My name is Legrand Jolly, joined with Jeremy Lamont. Hello. And Dale... Rachmaninoff. Rachmaninoff Jones. Hello. Hello. How you the doing, rack, Dale? The, the Rack 3. What? <laughs> that was uh, Rachmaninoff's third symphony. I, I was playing some uh, Bach today on the piano. Some oh, yeah? sonatas. Yeah. Some, some fugues. That's... Some bagatelles. Yeah. That's good stuff. You know, I would have to say that my, my favorite composer, symphonic composer of all time... It's John Williams, but my second favorite of all time is Johann Sebastian Bach. Uh, there is nothing better than a good Brandenburg concerto. He's uh, it's pretty good, man. And I, I find I find a little bit of nostalgia playing that these songs that I learned growing up. Um, I pulled out some of my old piano books and was playing them, so that was kind of fun. I never had or, any like formal music instruction, so. Um... I know very little classical other than like what my my stepdad played a lot of piano growing up and and does now again later in life and so i've heard some of the stuff that he listens to and plays like he really likes um like tchaikovsky and uh i don't know a few others i was sort of just a huge nerd and i i pretty much listened to like the classical radio station until 1991 or something like that so i listened to like weird Al until uh, 1991. yes yeah. man yep. there you go <laughs> What was the first uh, compact disc that you ever bought? Uh, mine was uh, the Sierra Soundtrack Collection from the adventure game company Sierra Online. And, uh, really? Dead serious, 100%. <laughs> mine yep. was uh, Nirvana Live Album. And what? Mine was the, uh, the Lion King soundtrack. That's good, <laughs> like man. 1994, I want to say? Oh, you know what? I, I lied. I had one years before that, but it was... I wasn't really into music or whatever. It was just we had a CD player at the time. I bought the uh, Simpsons Sing the Blues. or <laughs> Maybe I didn't, but it was gifted, given. I don't know. I had it. Um, I was like seven or something. What, what was your first uh, set of BMG Music Club CDs that you got? Uh, I never did that. Yeah, you never did that? No. Nope. Oh, man. We were, me and my friends were all over that. I got like Green Day Columbia. and Collective Soul and Bush. Yeah, yeah BMG was better, though, because... BMG didn't like, I don't know, that's when we all used <laughs> Anyway, get those cardboard boxes and write return to sender on them, like when you got them in the mail. Yeah, you guys don't remember? You guys, no? Nothing? Uh, uh, not so much, not so much. Fine, let's talk about video games. Oh, boo, video games. We can talk about 90s musics for a while. Yeah, we can do that. That's, that's never happened. <laughs> got a machine head, it's better than the rest. <laughs> Yeah, have you guys ever seen that uh, that sketch that they did on Saturday Night Live where they were all singing the same song and it was Creed and Bush and uh, who's that other band from back then? Yeah, all those guys and then um, Counting Crows. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Nineties music, man. Uh, so, what's uh, new in the world of video games, Jeremy? Well, I don't know about Saturday night, but I can tell you about Saturday morning because I've been playing Saturday morning RPG. Oh man. Just from the title, I can tell that this is just a, it, <laughs> just a nostalgic game. Yes. You, know? you could probably tell me exactly oh, yeah, everything yeah. you need to know about this. I've never even heard of this. Yeah, so I've been playing two games on the on very different ends of the RPG spectrum. And the first one is Saturday Morning RPG, which is on PC, and it's also on PlayStation 4 and Vita. I've been playing the Vita version. Uh, it's uh, just a little $10 trip, and it is exactly what Dale Count Elmdor Jones fears. 
Uh, it is, in fact, a 2D sprites on a 3D background, 1980s nostalgia uh, RPG, which is very silly in the style of, say, Retro City Rampage or uh, Dragon Fantasy, which I think I've talked about on this uh, on this podcast in the past. Um, it uh, You play as a character named Marty. So the thing is, I guess I should just really clarify about Dragon Fantasy and Retro City Rampage, which is that every single thing and almost every line of dialogue in the game is a reference to something. And in this case, it's basically the 1980s is what this is a reference to. So you play as a character named Marty, who you can't help but draw the comparison to Back to the Future. Uh, he even has a little hoverboard, so uh, you walk around sort of like in... Um, uh, I don't know. Like, I, it really does remind me of like Dragon Fantasy Book Two, where you have kind of a, or, or like Final Fantasy, some of the the SNES Final Fantasy games, I guess you, you could sort of say. Um, but the uh, the backgrounds are sort of more elaborate, so it's made with Unity, so you kind of have some particle effects and things like that, and it's you know decent looking. Um, and you're trying to save your primary love interest Samantha from Commander Hood, which would be a reference to GI Joe, right, to Cobra yeah. Commander. Yeah, so uh, I'll try. I'll try and keep keep the reference explanation thin here. But um, your inventory, your character inventory sheet, your character sheet is uh, it takes the form of a, of a powerful notebook, which I don't think they. I think Trapper Keeper is a trademark term, but it's a Trapper Keeper, and um, you manage your passive abilities, your buffs, with a set of scratch and sniff stickers that Man, you. Real quick on the Trapper Keeper. Yeah, um, I I was stuck with a, a, a trapper keeper with like a pink swan on it because that was the only one. <laughs> you got the least. I never had an official high. trapper keeper. I, like, I never well, had an official one. If you see, if the last one is a pink swan, just don't get it. Just I don't need it that bad. <laughs> Dude, you're like you're like a character from a 1980s movie. You're you're like from Pretty in Pink or something. Uh, you're Molly Ringwald. Uh, no, I've. <laughs> Um, so you have a Trapper Keeper that manages your, um, scratch and sniff stickers, which provide bonuses. And on the Vita, I don't know how this works on the PC, I'm assuming you probably just hit a button, but when you go into combat, so the combat is basically line up your characters on opposite ends and select from a menu kinds of thing. Um, but on the Vita, you actually can rub these scratch and sniff stickers before every combat and, um, unlock the benefit. If you scratch it enough, you get the benefit from each one, and you choose those, so you can get, like, you know, plus 5% health or plus 1 strength for the for the round. And if you get through... All right, all- so I've got something yes, on yes. that. Okay. Uh, back in the day when I went to E3, down in the Kensha Hall, they had, like, Smell-O-Vision for video games type uh-huh. of stuff. Uh-huh. What would you think? It never took off because there's not really a lot of applications, but I think we finally found one. <laughs> yeah, it, it could. I mean, the, the, all of the the uh, the flavors or the scents, I guess it's like pine cones, and I mean, it looks just like all the weird scratch and sniff stickers that that they had back then. Uh, you also manage uh, patches, which what uh, is the deal with scratch and sniff stickers? They're cool. Why, were they? It's like glow in the dark stuff. Like you don't that's care what it you, is if it glows in the dark. You it's drown cool. a blonde, right? You put it at the bottom of a swimming pool. Yeah, that's right. Uh, best blonde joke yet. Yep. So you uh, actually, my favorite one is uh, t- tell her to s- put her in a round room and tell her to sit in the corner. Man, we are real. We really are in the eighties. Look yeah, at this. We, we're jokes. taking us back. Like <laughs> I want some terrible. laser sound effects right now. Uh, so you also manage your uh, combat abilities, which which take the form of patches. Uh, and patches are cool. Patches were cool in the eighties. Um, and uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. 
Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, I had some patches. Uh, but you you basically get a set of like four or five different abilities, and each one kind of in... I'm trying to think of, of games that do this, but like Super Mario uh, or Paper Mario, when you, when you do combat, like all of the attacks that you do have special little micro games or little mini games that you, you know, you hit a button at a certain rhythm or you, you know, pull the trigger in a certain direction or, or you do something or other. So a lot of the abilities for both attack and defense once you get into combat are basically trigger-based, like button you know, hit, hit the button at the right time or, or something like that. Um, and there's not really too much special about the combat. Um, th there is kind of a neat uh, multiplier system where in addition to your basic attacks and your special abilities, there's actually like a, a battery icon that you can hit which will allow you to do either rapid pressing to power up your next move. So you can kind of choose when you need to, like some of the characters will heal themselves or something like that, and if you run out of abilities, so I guess I didn't mention that these patches are limited use. So within one round of combat you start with, with full health and with full abilities every single time, but you have a limit to the number of times you can actually use those abilities. So you have to sort of portion out you know, when are you going to use them, and, you know, do you want to try and do a killing strike, or, or kind of, you know, plunk away at someone's health until you, you know, can can get within killing I'm, distance. I'm assuming the combat's turn-based? Uh, it is, it is, and there's like actually... time stuff? Yeah, like, exactly, and there is a sort of a turn meter up on top that shows you, because you could be fighting against multiple bad guys, and you can see who's going to take the turns and what order it's going to happen, and so you can kind of manage <laughs> that. Um, and then the, the other thing about it, too, is that the... There's it, it gets really difficult. Like there's a weird difficulty moment to this, and 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 you kind of end up just like going with some safe abilities. So those patches that you get, you sort of find them in the world and and whatever, and they're really cool. And they have different. They all have different little effects. Like there's a Michael Jackson one where he does like a moonwalk and like uses the glove. So the patch is the glove, and then you can it like paralyzes people and stuff like that. So even all of the attacks have different little references. Thing is, they take a lot of time to do. Um, and, and I don't know how this is on other platforms, but on the Vita, the combat is the thing that really, like, slows down. Like, you actually have to wait for the, for the combat to load, and then the abilities kind of take time, and it's kind of cute at first, but I have to admit, kind of like the premise, it sort of wears thin, um, and, and like the humor as well. Um... It does have a really decent soundtrack. Uh, I was looking this up, and Vince DiCola, who did Transformers the Animated Movie and Rocky IV, um, Kenny Meredith, uh, who did DuckTales, Power Rangers, X-Men, and other stuff, uh, did did the soundtrack for it, and it's you know sufficiently fun to listen to, and it's got kind of that, that uh, 80s flavor. I gotta submit that Rocky IV is the greatest 80s soundtrack, or maybe even the greatest soundtrack of all time. I mean, that's Rocky possible, Ford. although Transformers, the animated movie, did have uh, The Weird Touch Al. by Stan Bush. And it did have Weird Al, so Weird we're, Al. we're no, bringing I, it I all back in. The uh, soundtrack for Wayne's World. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But yeah. now we're getting into the 90s. Yeah, yeah. that's true. We're a little, little too far. Uh, it is, on the PlayStation <laughs> Network, it is cross-buy, so for $10 you can get the PS4 and the Vita version, but it is not cross-save. Ooh. What? Yeah, that that why that, it's why kind of a weird bother? one. I don't know. Maybe it's hard to do. I I don't really. Why know. it can't be hard to do? I I don't know. I don't know. But it it, it is a big bummer when you get something that's cross by and you know you want to play it on the go and sit down maybe and you can't really pick up your game where you left off. So I I don't know. Uh, but anyway, that's Saturday Morning RPG. The other end of the RPG spectrum that I've been playing is a brand new release called I Am Setsuna from Square Enix. And uh, this is a kind of a return to form for some of those old uh, 1990s RPGs. So we're moving it up the timeline a little bit. So it's very Chrono Trigger, 
or like Final Fantasy VI. Uh, it's not sprites, though, so it's not like uh, Saturday morning RPG where everything is sort of blocky. Uh, in fact, it almost kind of looks, if you can imagine, like a nice big full-screen version of Bravely Default, where everything is sort of polygonal and nicely drawn and animated, um, and it, it, it uh, sort, sort of seems like a higher polish. Uh, interestingly, I think it's also done in the Unity engine. So uh, the, um, the premise of this is that uh, Setsuna, who is this uh, girl, she's the sacrificial maiden that a, a village has to send once every ten years to uh, kind of stem the tide of monsters that, that keeps happening. Um, you, you ah, play... that old story. Yeah, exactly, as, <laughs> as old as time. Um, but, but everything the takes Joker's place. The volcano down. story. Uh, yeah. Well, lots of things happen. There's no no amnesia, though, so they didn't get the spiky-haired kid with amnesia thing going, but um, everything is, uh, it takes place... The, they forgot. the world is kind of interesting because it's all in like this snowy there, there's only one environment I guess you would say and it's sort of this snowy sort of forlorn kind of environment which is kind of neat and kind of moody um, it does wear thin a little bit the more you do it um, the soundtrack for this is all in piano it's just straight up piano there's no nothing but piano uh, which I found kind of interesting too um, on Spotify? I don't know uh, you can probably find it on YouTube. I think most people bootleg that stuff on YouTube these days, uh, which is where I get a lot of music for this show. Uh, but um, it has a party system, kind of like Chrono Trigger. You can swap characters in and out. Uh, they can sort of share combat moves. So if you remember in Chrono Trigger, you could do like an X cross with Frog and Chrono, or you could do like different things. They do have that in this as well. Um, all of the abilities, the special attacks and things are done with these stones that you equip. Um, there's also passive abilities in this as well, and the passive abilities have this whole recipe, like, crafting sort of system, and you can kind of mix and match. And, and it kind of does the same thing a little bit as Saturday Morning RPG, where you end up kind of finding the same abilities because they're just the most effective. So even though there may be cool effects or other cool things that you can do, you kind of end up figuring out, like, okay, I'm just going to equip these abilities and that's going to be it. Um... Combat in this is, again, sort of turn-based and, again, kind of like Chrono Trigger, where everyone's kind of dotting this battlefield and you kind of jump, spring toward people and kill them and jump back in place and, and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, you find yourself getting kind of overpowered, like, uh, which isn't bad, I guess. I mean, I'd rather have an overpowered combat system than something that gets too difficult. But you kind of start to just go through the motions and kind of hit buttons. There's, there's that very delicate thing, and we've talked about this in some of our past topics of discussion shows, where the difficulty curve and, like, is it better to just steamroll everything or do you really want difficulty to kind of give you that sense of reward this in my opinion kind of airs a little bit too much on the easy side of things um, but um, generally speaking uh, you know if uh, if you have an empty space in your in your library for some of those older like Final Fantasy if you haven't picked up the newest Bravely Default for example because uh, that you know a lot of people praise that game as being very have you uh, played that yet? The second one I did not, no. Um, which you didn't is buy the collector's edition? No, I bought the collector's edition of the original Bravely Default, and I was, like, really hyped about it. And there's a particular part in that first game that I don't know what it is, but it killed something in me. And it sort of... <laughs> it, it, like, killed my hype for the entire series. So I did not really play it. I did play the demo, and I thought it was all right. But I think it'll be a while before I go back to, to Bravely Default. I don't know if I can... Fine. I don't know if I could see myself really getting into a turn-based RPG like... The Final Fantasy style game. You know that's it's funny that you guys or Jeremy that you have been playing this and that we're talking about this right now because um, I uh, I had a, a short trip back to my hometown last week and when I was there I packed up all of my um, NES, SNES, N64, PS1 stuff and put it in a box, a FedEx box, and, and shipped it up here to Oregon and it arrived today. And so Ooh. I was just digging through some of that stuff and like just making sure things worked and everything. 
and uh, sitting down with my daughter and like I let her play a little bit of Super Mario 64. She thought that was cool. Um, yeah. But in there, in the in the SNES stuff, um, I had all my copies of like Final Fantasy II, Secret of Mana, Chrono Trigger, yeah, um, oh, man. a bunch of stuff. And so I, I've been just, you know, I didn't really play them, but I, I kind of loaded them up and, you know, fussed around with them for a few minutes each today. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, those, I, do, you have an old, do you have an old still... CRT monitor you hooked them all up? No, to? I don't. Um, I don't. Uh, and anyway, I don't think I would ever, I mean, I've played those games to death already. I don't think at this point I really fancy going back and playing them anymore. And if I did, um, those games actually had pretty good ports to the GBA and, um, DS at one point or another. And without a CRT, um, those, that's probably the best way to play those games, I think. Plus, I think they also had, um, the Final Fantasy VI especially had a retranslation for the GBA version that was way better than the original um in fact that it's funny because a couple of games i thought i had but that weren't in my stuff or at least i didn't see them anywhere were um final fantasy 3 aka 6 and um a link to the past which i absolutely had those at some point i might have given them away or sold them or something years ago but anyway um Retro games. Yeah, that is kind of cool. You know, and if you're not really interested in actually playing those old ones, I mean, this, if, if you kind of have the want but don't really want to play the old ones, um, I, I think this is a probably... This is maybe a, a good... A, it is a good substitute. However, Uh-oh. it's 50 bucks. 40 <laughs> So, I'm sorry, it's, I'm sorry, it's for, it's $40. I was looking at the collector's edition. There is a collector's edition available for 50 um. Yeah. Even that includes 40, the soundtrack, which sounds pretty awesome. I'm yeah, it does. That. And I, I was just looking. So the the music is uh, by Tomoki Miyoshi. Uh, the original soundtrack is called Winter's End. And and again, it is very much. I mean, they 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 give a very evocative theme of this winter. This this you know sort of sad. Um, Did you mention that this is a studio um, that's designed or created just for this purpose uh, for creating like old school SNES sort of era JRPGs? I did not, but it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's called to- it, Tokyo, Tokyo RPG Factory. RPG Factory, yeah. Yep. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I I mentioned this game, I think, at the top of the week, right? Yeah, as far as one of the new releases, yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It release. is new as of this week, yeah. It's it's yeah, it's kind of interesting to see them doing this. It's kind of it's kind of cool. I mean, we've seen Western developers go back and do, you know, like Pillars of Eternity and stuff like that um, over the last couple of years, and to see the same sort of thing from a, a newish. Um, team in, in japan is is cool yeah there has been a, a a faint but steady trickle i think of these kind of games i mean the other one again is bravely default and i know there's a bunch of stuff on the 3ds from time to time that kind of uh you know is new but old kind, kind of a of things but uh, well there's yeah. and they they have been pretty decent about doing things like um new disgaea games you know um mm-hmm. it's not like those ever really went away they've just um they're putting them out on on steam these days which i think surfaces them a little bit gets them a little more exposure you know for sure for sure so that's what i've been playing saturday morning rpg and i am setsuna awesome so how do you want to do this dale i'll, I'll go first and then we can talk about wow because that's all you've been playing with right? you have something other than wow to talk about i do yeah i do um real quick <laughs> uh on the plane i played some king of dragon pass on my oh, ipad you can't play wow on the plane do you know do you know this game king of dragon pass mm, no it's um so it's it's like a role-playing game but there's no direct control of a character there's no like battles that you fight or anything like that it's like you're put in charge of a tribe or, or clan of people 
that um, you're sort of in sort of like a refugee situation. And so your, your people are like traveling to this new place where you're going to settle. That's called dragon pass. And um, in the dragon, Oh, pass, I thought you said dragon past. No, no P P A S S. So in dragon pass, there are all these other clans and, and people that are already there. And so you're kind of like finding a place for you guys to settle. And then you, you get involved in, um, you know, diplomacy and trade and uh, all sorts of other stuff with the the other neighboring clans, and the the level of civilization is sort of like early medieval, I guess. I mean, there's like it's it's a lot of like probably hunting hunting gathering and a little bit of agriculture, so it's kind of maybe Bronze Age or, or before that even. Um, but it's also magical, right? So like there are actually dragons in Dragon Pass, or there have been in the past. <laughs> that sounds like a great place to settle. Um, yeah. Uh, well, wh- when you first start the game, it like, it, it, um, like some games used to, they ask you like 10 questions or, or they give you like 10 scenarios and then you make these choices that go along with them. And that's really how the whole game ends up playing out actually. But one of the first things they, they tell you is that in Dragon Pass, um, you know, like at first you're your tribe didn't move there. Um, and it was a good thing because 200 years ago, the dragons rose up and ate everybody that was living there. But now you don't have much of a choice. You've got to go live there. <laughs> um, and so what happens is like the whole object of the game is to survive for 10, um, 10 years and then become, be, be like made the king of your tribe. <clears throat> and in order to, to survive, you have to negotiate like, uh, you know, it's going to be a long winter, so you got to sacrifice some cows to to your god, so that uh, you have enough blessings to go around to survive the winter. Or, you know, there's a raiding party that's killed a few of your your people. What do you do? Do you raid them back, or do you just ignore it? Or, or you know, you're making decisions like this, right? And um, every little vignette that happens, uh, it you know, it, it um, makes your situation better or, or worse off a little bit, or maybe it doesn't really do nothing. Um, so it's kind of just like a um, sort of choose-your-own-adventure um, mixed with some of the stuff that goes on in like a Civ or like Europa Universalis type of game where you just kind of jump in and do some things. And you're not really – you don't really care all that much about a win condition or, or losing. You're just kind of there along for the ride. Um, and so it's sort of like an adventure role-playing game that's – Kind of neat. You mentioned you were playing this on uh, an airplane. You must. This must have been on a laptop. I, I was. Oh, really? So because yeah, yeah. I was looking at this, I, I looked this up because I didn't know, and I, I see it's on GOG. Uh, it looks like it was a PC game released back in yeah. 1999. Yeah, it's a pretty old game. Um, but yeah, there is a there's an iOS version of it that has been out for. I was gonna say I didn't know it was time. that old, so I lo- saw those screenshots. I'm like, why don't they just make things higher res? Like- <laughs> it's it's. I think what I think the iPad version is just pretty much a straight port of the original old uh pc game from it kind of has that uh that svga look sort of yeah 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 it's kind of like uh like you say it's like late 90s i guess is kind of what it looks like huh um uh, but it's a cool game it's how how uh, much is this is this on 10 bucks on ios maybe five bucks when i bought it on sale or something like that it was a long time ago but uh it's neat yeah um and it seems kind of unique i mean i haven't really played too much that's like it other than maybe like the intro to firewatch or like a like a twine game or something like that but the, it's a little deeper than that too because you can choose like how many um how much of your population is like farmers and how much of your population is warriors or like 
you can make sacrifices to a pantheon of like probably 15 or 20 different gods. And then you can kind of choose like what to sacrifice and, and like what magical um, benefits and, and boons and stuff you'll get from that. It's kind of a you know cool game. This company also made uh, the mobile version, I believe, of um, Majesty, which is one of my favorites. Uh, kind oh, yeah, of, you, a... you, you don't play as the hero, but you're still... That's like an RTS where you only build stuff. Yeah, and you like incentivize the heroes to go do quests, and you don't control any of them yourself. Yeah, you don't have direct a... control. You just, uh, like you say, incentives. Yeah, huh, that's, that's pretty good. I've wishlisted cool. this now. I'm going to get this. Yeah, it's it's neat. Uh, the other thing I've been playing, which I, I can cover real quick, is uh, Xenonauts. So back before um, Firaxis's, uh XCOM reboot... There had not been an XCOM or XCOM-like game in a very long time, and uh, that was around the time Kickstarter was was taking off for the games industry. And one of the things that came up on Kickstarter was Xenonauts, which was basically a unofficial remake of the original XCOM game, um, just with a different name on it. And you know, it's not the it's not the same license, but it's basically the exact same game, only. Um, <laughs> No, it really is. It's like pretty much an exact copy with a few little tweaks, uh, modernizations. Uh, you know, it, it runs in a modern resolution, and uh, but it's still two D with sprite art. Um, but yeah, the the battle system, like the time units that you have, you know, like the you have like ten guys on a Sky Ranger sort of thing that lands, and then like you just get ruthlessly killed by the aliens when you try to get off as soon as um, you step out. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's. I mean, it's basically just XCOM, but redone for the modern era, but not in the sense that Firaxis's XCOM was redone for the modern era, which um, that game was very much uh, streamlined and uh, you could say consoleized. I mean, I guess, but without the negative connotation. That was made, it was made much more snappy and um, flashy and, you know, 3D graphics with a, you know, that, that's a very good game, the the modern XCOM. Absolutely. And Xenonauts is too, just because it's basically a complete carbon copy of the original XCOM, uh, but with, you know, modern quality of life improvements and, and, and such. And what platform so, is this? Is this also just PC? This is, is PC. Been... Yeah, PC only. Um, but I would suggest that, I, I would I would say that it, it uh, along with the modern XCOM, it they go together very well. It's it's a very good complement for the modern XCOM. So that if you wanted to play the original, you could almost just say that that's kind of obsolete now and just play this because it's so close to the original. Uh, in fact, the only changes that it makes are probably like bug fix type of things. <laughs> right, you know? right. Uh, it, except that it has a different license, of course. Uh, it's a little bit, it's a little generic. You know, it's like military dudes and then like, alien guys that are um the first aliens that you see are kind of like lizard men types but then there there are a few others as well um the oh what's different in this game is the um you know how you send out your interceptor and then uh there's like a little there's just a tiny little hint of a mini game in the original XCOM where you're like shooting down the UFO you just kind of uh, decide when to run away sort of uh in in this they've done uh, and I didn't actually like it, so I just auto-resolved these. But it's a 2D um, ship dogfighting thing where I'm trying to... 
I can't think of anything that it's really like. Um, imagine you were like looking top down at a dogfight that only happens on one plane, and so it's a bunch of like trying to maneuver around the back of the other guy, so you're out of his firing cone, but he's in yours, you know. And, and you actually control that, or it just happens. Yeah. Yeah, you, See, you that, that's kind of cool because uh, I always felt like even on the original XCOM, I was like, why am I not controlling anything here? Like, I'm just watching something happen, and I it's might neat that die they that they tried to do something, but I didn't care for it. And I, oh, I really? <laughs> I couldn't make it work well, and so, yeah. and not only that, but the, but the auto resolve percentage was like a hundred percent. So I just did that, you know. Anyway, uh. Uh, to move on to like the, you know, of course the the star of XCOM is the tactical battles. Um, one thing I think it's different with Xenonauts is that they seem to have paid a, they they paid maybe a little bit more structure or attention to the structure of the strategic layer, so that um, the choices that you make there are a little more interesting and, and probably impactful to the overall campaign. Yeah, that that is one thing that I liked about the original XCOM that the new one didn't really quite get. Yeah, the new one really really pared it down, uh, whereas this one went the other way from the original, was made it more. Um, more of a large part of the game. Nice. Um, one complaint I've read about the game, and I, I didn't actually finish a campaign because um, I only played it for a few hours, but one complaint I've seen with Xenonauts is that the campaigns can be very long, like 50, 100 hours. So, um, you know, like the link of like a Final Fantasy Tactics game or something like that, right. or like the long <laughs> war mod for uh, the new XCOM. Um Oh, and I should mention that Xenonauts is spelled with an X, so I'm getting to the end of the alphabet. I, I wasn't going to say anything, but I'm like, I wonder whatever happened to Dale's alphabet project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't have a Y game, so I'm moving on to Z next time around. Oh, can't do that. Yeah. And then aside from that, uh, it uh, World of Warcraft, um, this week was the pre-expansion patch. Uh, why don't you take it from here? Legrand, and, and I'll, I'll just chime in. Yeah, for better or for worse, I've been playing World of Warcraft too. I think it's mostly for worse. I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. But uh, I've been having fun so far. Just kind of for whatever reason, I don't. I don't even know why I even fired up the game. But I fired it up without subscribing. And um, how'd you do that? Well, you can you can level it to level twenty without oh, paying. Okay, okay, okay. So there's like a starter edition. You can't you can't send mail. And even you if can't, you have been a a player in the past, they still let you do the starter edition thing. Yeah, that's so. Nice I <laughs> I did that, and I uh, created a new character. I created a warlock on on the PvP server that I have all my other main characters on. And I leveled it to level twenty, and then I'm like, man! And all of a sudden, I stopped getting experience, and I was doing I was still doing quests and <laughs> wasn't getting experience. I'm like, well, here we go. And uh, anyway, I'm up to level like forty six or so. But the pre expansion patch hit uh, yesterday, right? Oh, two days ago. Did you have Tuesday. enough gold amongst all your other characters to buy a WoW token and just play without subscribing? I could have, but I didn't. I just paid yeah. money. Yeah, so you can now you can basically buy gold legally in the game because you can buy WoW tokens for what twenty bucks or something, and then you can sell them for about it's like 40, 41, 42, 40, yeah, forty some odd thousand dollar gold, and then I think I had around eighty thousand gold amongst all my characters, so I could technically do so you that. Could, but I'm not yeah, play a couple of months for free. I'm in. The, I'm not in the gold making business right now, so I don't. I don't know what the economy is going to do next expansion. So True. I don't know. And and who knows if I'm even going to be playing in two months? Like I have no idea. But I have not pre-ordered the expansion yet. 
So I, I have heard that the new so the new expansion doesn't come out until next month, right? Well, it's like August thirtieth. Yeah. Okay, so this is in preparation for that expansion. They have like redone, from what I understand. So I have a very good friend who plays World of Warcraft, and she told me that this is the biggest set of changes that have happened to this game since Cataclysm. Uh, it's pretty drastic from a character standpoint. Yeah, she um, says they, they, like, rebalanced everybody, or they sort of refit everybody into different roles and things like that that had kind yeah. of gotten a little bit messy in PvP the past. PvP has been, like, completely 100% retooled. Yeah, and PvP PvE great. has also been pretty heavily changed. So, what their, what their goal is for this new expansion is to make it so that all of the classes and all of the specs within the class feel distinct and unique from everyone else. Um, meaning that they want to, like they, what they've said is they want to get back to the fantasy of the different roles and classes and specs. So when you're playing a hybrid class like a druid, it feels like you're playing a hybrid class, meaning you have abilities from different things and you become more of the jack of all trades than it was back when the game first was released and not like, oh, I'm playing the healer and I happen to be a druid and basically I can heal as good as everyone else can and that's basically all I do. Where it kind of got to the point where if you were playing a healer, it didn't matter what class you played, everyone just kind of healed and it was fine. And so they're changing things around uh, so that every spec and every class feels like a priest should be or a paladin should be as a healer or a warrior tank should be different from the way a death knight tanks and for from, you know, the bear druid tanks and stuff like that. And so um, basically what it, one of the things that they also did is they made it so that... Um, I don't know when they made this when when they made this change exactly, but basically every class um, had the same talent tree, no matter what spec you used. So you, as you level up, you have maybe a series of eight talents that you can choose from, and it was the same across every spec. So if you were playing a druid, your healing talents were identical to your feral druid talents, which were identical to your balanced yeah, druid that, talents. Yeah, that change is new with this patch because prior yeah. to this week. I my Death Knight talent tree had talents that would affect. Um, uh, so I'm Frost spec. It had talents that would affect like blood or unholy stuff. But now, right after the change, all the talents are purely affecting Frost spec abilities. So every spec of every class. So every class generally has at least three specs. Some have more, but um, like the Druid has more, for example. But they've. Every single spec has its own set of talents, meaning that they've add hundred they've added hundreds and hundreds of talents to the game with this patch. And they've taken um, away maybe, maybe I think they've done away with altogether some abilities. Others they've siloed from um, being available to you no matter what spec you are, to only being available if you are a certain spec within your class. So for right. instance, my my Death Knight, prior to the patch, I was able to use a couple of abilities. Um one like blood boil for from the blood spec, and then one was like plague strike or something from the unholy spec, uh, and those were in my hot bar, and I used them all the time. Now those are gone. I don't have access to those anymore as a frost spec death knight, but there are now a few new abilities that they created and added, and and there are pat, um, new talents that modify <clears throat> some of the other frost abilities. Yeah, so they've done a lot of. It's kind of interesting because I, I, I've only really kind of dabbled with my this warlock that I've been playing, so I haven't really played um, anything else. But they made it so that you can you always have access to all your specs. So previously you had to go to a 
class trainer and you could train into you could have two specs at any given time so now you have everything available to you at all times and you can just swap you know in between battles at will as long as you're in like a rest zone like an inn or a major city you can so you can't do it within an instance probably but right. it's it's fairly easy to just but go when you when you queue for instances so if you queue as a death knight as and you want to queue for an instance as a tank but at that time you're questing so you're using dps and the tank spec is blood, and so when you get into the instance, it'll automatically just swap you out to blood. And then when you leave the instance, it'll put you back in frost spec automatically. And I think it'll change all of your gear and stuff as well when it does that, which is handy. That's very yeah. Final Fantasy fourteen. That's kind of how that works. I mean, there are no limitations in that game, but it's you just change equipment, and there's a t- there's a cooldown for something like that. But um, well, think... it's not necessarily like that. There's still spe- it's not based on your weapon. It's based on setting your spec i'm just saying that as a quality of life when you queue for a dungeon you queue as a role so while plays in the holy trinity where you have your tanks your healers and your damage dealers and so while you know most most of the classes will have multiple roles that they can fill like a druid can fill all three if they wanted so you can when you queue for a dungeon you say well i'm going to tank as a dungeon at this dungeon but i'm running around doing in my dps spec at the time and so when you get into the dungeon when your queue you find your group or whatever, and you get into the dungeon, it'll automatically just swap your spec and all your talents and your abilities out for whatever you had queued for automatically, if that makes sense. That's nice. Yeah, there's, there seems to be, this this patch seems to be a lot of that sort of quality of life improvements, streamlining, um, but also, like you said before, Legrand, that they're trying to um, make distinct all of the various classes and then all the specs within those classes from one another. So... How many classes are there? Like twelve or something? Something like that. And then each one of those has what, like th- probably three specs. Three at least, specs, right? At least three or three. I think and the, then druids have four. The demon hunter is only going to have two, but uh, yeah. But yeah, so I but so within that, I mean, like if you look at a each spec is like almost a different class, which they sort of are. They're kind of subclasses, right? It's there's quite a variety in. Um, ways that you can choose to play the game now even more so than there have been in the past yeah and and they're all and even within like a dps class like right now so i'm playing purely as a warlock which is a dps class so no matter what spec i choose of the three um i'm going to be just doing damage right and so but so i was playing kind of as destruction which was kind of your it's kind of like an equivalent of a mage in in a lot of ways because you're you have a lot of fire spells that do you know, heavy hitting damage. You have a chaos bolt, which does you know crit damage, and but then I switched over to the affliction spec, which is all based on damage over time and draining life and tapping mana and draining life back, and it's kind of got that more of that feel. And there's a demonology spec, which is now really, really, really heavily focused on you know summoning and controlling demons from wherever demons come from in the World of Warcraft universe. You know, so it's. And they're all very, very different play styles. Um, so that's... I, I think it's super awesome. And I'm excited to kind of um, play around because I now have... I have several classes at you know at the level cap that I can kind of poke around with that I've really, I'm fairly familiar with. And so it'll be interesting to see what, you know, the changes they've made and how they've applied them to make those classes, you know, feel really different. Yeah, it's, it's cool. And the PvP stuff I'm super excited for. And I think I mentioned it on the show a little bit ago, but they... Um, they wanted to um, make it so that PvP was like balanced as far as so that gear didn't matter. So now uh, when you engage into a PvP battle, uh, gear just really doesn't have that big of an effect anymore. 
Um, and so everyone's kind of given a baseline set of stats and then your item level will help you, will increase you to a marginal amount if you have slightly better gear, but it, it's not enough to make a huge difference. Um, also, so, what I think is really cool is that you no longer need to have like a PVE and a PVP set of gear. You just you just have your gear. And then yeah. when you do PVP, it's basically negated. But the loot that you get from doing the PVP is good for outside of that. Right. Know? So... Yeah, so no That's worrying cool. about switching armor. So they have like an armor set functionality built in, um, and so you'd have to like set up these different sets and then pack all that gear in your bags, and you would like change your sets, you know, depending on what you were doing. Me specifically, since I PvP'd a bunch, I would you know swap out quite often, and it just kind of sucked, you know. And so it's just nice being able to, since PvP is just normalized across the board, it's all based on item level. Um, any increases you get, it doesn't, you know. Or you just roll with it. It's a pretty substantial change for the game, for sure. And they, they do this, like, every time there's an expansion, they roll out the major patch to the entire game, like, a few weeks before the actual new content hits. And yep. then that way, you know, because they always do, like, a pre-expansion event in the game world as well. Like, this time it's going to be uh, Infernals crashing down invading the world or something like that and yeah the legion yeah burning legion stuff which is yeah all coming in and so are you guys going to be playing the new expansion when it comes out are you looking forward to that or you are in fact are you going to be playing this with the new changes up to that point or what's your plan for wow in the in the near to midterm future here <sighs> i don't know like i kind of want to level this warlock but i kind of just want to pay 60 bucks and boost it <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of time man it's probably a good 24 hours i'm only more, at level 30 hours 75 with my death knight and in order to do the new expansion i'd have to get to 100 and then the new expansion goes to 110 so um i'm not certain how how much longer i'll keep playing i mean i'd like to just go all the way to the cap i guess and kind of see what all the zones are and dungeons stuff i mean that's why i'm playing but um i don't know i might not get that far who knows <laughs> we'll see yeah i i think i will definitely be playing the expansion when it comes out um i just Fear that I will get burned out on the game again if I play hardcore between now and then, which is like a month away, right? A little bit over a month. Yep. Um, so generally, like with the last expansion, I played pretty heavily for about three months and then kind of just stopped. Um, so I foresee... I don't know if there's going to be anything in Legion that's going to keep me hooked unless the PvP is really good um, because of the changes they've made to the balance. Um, and if the classes are interesting, like, I don't know. It's 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 a... I, I've, I've always had a love-hate relationship with WoW because I feel like it is a very, very well-put-together game, and it's very, very polished, and despite being, what, 11 years old at this point, it's still fun, and, you know, the graphics... You know, they, they added new graphics settings for this with the patch, and so there's ultra-high or, you know, a, a, a tier above what, you know, ultra settings that existed, you know, prior to this that they've added, so they continue to kind of push the engine a little bit further ahead, and... You know, yeah, they and, replaced and, uh, some models and animations and stuff too. So. Yeah, all the animation for melee classes have all been completely redone, um, and the the assumption, like just with the last expansion, they redid all a lot of the character models, and then they the ones that they hadn't done, they patched in a few months later. So I would expect that the spell casting animations are going to get updated, um, you know, in, in the coming months, and they, they've really done done well for an eleven year old game to keep it relevant and new and modern and feeling different with every new expansion that comes out. So um, whether it will keep my interest, you know, for the long term, I, I doubt it will. But uh, I, I 
my my hate is that I don't you know it's I end up playing the game and then hating it after three or four months and then you know <laughs> something something new happens and I'm like you know you know WoW's that's a pretty damn good game I'll just go back and see what's going on in there and so that's kind of where I'm at right now I I kind of just want to play a demon hunter when they come out too just to play a new class and um, but everyone's gonna be playing a demon hunter right so and I guess uh also Dale when you do pre buy the expansion you when you buy the expansion you get a free level 100 boost so you could immediately yeah but I don't start playing expansion content if you wanted i, I mean you, i could but but you never played like through a lot of the other i might my, i might level my death knight right? up all the way and then take a free boost on my warrior that's 68 or whatever yeah or boost another class i mean yeah I, I mean, you know, I you're guess. able to 68 then you might as well boost something all the way and then yeah. if you wanted a warrior level the 68 to or like Whatever. do a a worgen rogue or something from zero to hundred. Boost yeah, it all the way. Boost it. And listeners, if you are looking to boost it with the Game Bite Show podcast, uh, it doesn't cost you anything. Uh, we'll be back to talk to you again at the top of this week to discuss the news, new releases, and a special video game topic. We'll be spec'd for that. Uh, we appreciate you joining us, and if you have anything to say about any of the games that we've played, or you'd like to update us on the games that you're playing, or if you have some opinions about WoW, or if you're going to be playing it, or not, or whatever, you can reach out to us on social media, tell us what you think. You can find us as a group at Game Bite Show. You can also find us individually. I am at Jeremy underscore Lamont. You can find me at Legrand. And I am at Count Elmdor. You can also find our good buddy Jared Red Eye Dunn at R-E-D underscore I. Jared is in charge of doing most of our video game streams. He's currently working through a, uh, a playthrough of Dreamfall chapters uh, that uh, came out a little bit earlier this year. He's actually putting those, I think he's putting those straight to YouTube, so you can find those over at youtube.com slash show. But we also do a weekly game stream. We played Paladins this past week from High res Studios. That's their uh, character-based... Uh, arena shooter a la Overwatch and uh, actually it turned out a lot better than I thought it would we, uh, we won a few matches huh? yeah so you can uh, go check you that out at paladins.com or if you just want to have a taste you can go check out our archive at youtube.com slash show as well uh, but I, I don't know if I mentioned you can actually go to twitch.tv slash show, hit the subscribe button over there and catch those as they go live this has been your Game Byte Show we appreciate having you here and we'll see you see ya peace out <laughs>